again welcome to the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football of course i am your host chris they call me chouse thanks a lot for joining me again on the underground for this week two nfl recap show this week is uh, virtually behind us now uh with the exception of monday night football we have a lot going on a lot of good things happen a lot of bad things happen we have a lot to cover so let's just jump into it and, and start off with what had happened on Thursday Night Football. So when we were evaluating what could happen with the Panthers and the Buccaneers, there was a lot of things that we took into account. We, we're not a supporter. I'm not a supporter of what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at this point. They have a new head coach in Bruce Arians. They're going to try to uh, do their best, uh, but they have a lot of work to do to rebuild this club. So playing against the Panthers, who had a letdown with a good fourth quarter in week one, we had expected a lot more, especially from Cam Newton and company. Uh, So entering the game, and as the game wore on, Cam Newton, to me, just didn't look right. Uh, There's something wrong with his throwing mechanics. Uh, He wasn't able to hit his receivers. He was inaccurate. For most of the night, he had his moments, but it just it was ugly. He he was overthrowing his receivers, underthrowing them, missing them, and then on top of it, the Panthers couldn't get Christian McCaffrey going. His his night was was pretty dreadful. So, I mean, when you put all that together, you're basically set up for disaster. I mean, what did McCaffrey do? He was 16 for 37 yards. And barely touched the ball in the pass game for 216, 2-4-16. I mean, when that happens to your club, especially the way the Panthers are built, it is not set up for you to win that contest. And when you go to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jameis Winston, we have been throwing a lot of shade his way uh, these last couple weeks, and even in the off season, but. He didn't lose this game for this club. He he kept the ball away from the other team. He didn't turn it over. No picks, no fumbles. You know, he threw for over 200. And he was finding Chris Godwin all over the field. So they exploited the mismatches, and it worked. It was good. And, I mean, what else can you say about Carolina? They're in trouble. If you can't get it figured out, you will be planning for the next offseason way earlier than you would have expected. Tampa Bay gets the win, 20-14. to It wasn't a great game. It was okay. I mean, it had some moments of entertainment. But, I mean, if you want to talk about a headline, you talk about Cam Newton's dress code after the games as he's looking like Mary Poppins now, so... I don't know what's going on there. They need a lot. They have a lot to figure out. So let's move on to Sunday. We'll get it kicked off right now with the Arizona Cardinals traveling to the Baltimore Ravens. So this game 
created a lot of buzz as the week was moving forward because there were a lot of people on the hype train of what had happened with Lamar Jackson playing the Dolphins. They wanted to see if he could replicate what he had done. Again, I stated on the first show that I really wanted to see a lot more proof and consistency from Lamar Jackson to become a believer. And after this contest, I mean, again, the Cardinals defense isn't necessarily one of the best defenses in the league. So is it more of a suggestion to say that the schedule is benefiting Lamar Jackson at this point? And I think it could be. However, Lamar Jackson, again, again, he balled out. You cannot stop what he is doing right now. He threw for 272, two touchdowns, added 120 yards rushing on the ground. He is the first player in the NFL to do that, to have over 120 yards rushing and over 250 passing. Think about that. We had guys like Michael Vick playing in this league. He never did that. So are we trying to say that Lamar Jackson is the next special quarterback, multi-purpose, multi-dual quarterback? I mean, he's good. He played well. Again, I'm going to be the naysayer on this one to say I still want to see more proof against a more stout defense. Not because I don't believe that Jackson won't be able to win games. I just want to see what he can do against a true on game plan with an elite unit creating different reads for him to have to dissect. Anyway, he played extremely well. He found his tight end, Mark Andrews, all day. And the pass he made to Hollywood Brown. If you didn't see this, you need to see the replay because it was a beautiful pass, deep shot down the sideline in the only place where his receiver could make the catch. He he's um he's I gotta say he's he's turning into an incredible talent in my eyes. But you know before I'm gonna fully jump on board, I know a lot of people already are. I'm I want to put a percentage point. I'm probably like seventy percent on board. But to get fully on board, I think I want to see a couple more games and one against the stout defense. So for the Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals, rookie Kyler Murray. This kid is impressive. He, again, came out of the gate slow. They couldn't find their way. And when they got down, they don't give up. And now he's, that's two weeks in a row. They've, I don't know if it was the coaching adjustments in the second half again, or what it was because Kyler Murray busted for over 350 yards passing, or just under 350 yards passing. He did well against the defense of the Baltimore Ravens, who are extremely good, extremely talented, have many weapons on that back end. Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk both had a day, both going for over 100 yards, and Kyler Murray almost pulled off the comeback. So the biggest issue I have right now is that we were big believers in seeing David Johnson come back and become a performer again to what we remember from his career season a few seasons ago. 
He did go down with a wrist injury, I believe. I think he came back later on. Um, but, I mean, if we're talking about the run game to help out Kyler Murray, it hasn't been there yet. I want to see a lot more. DJ, David Johnson, he needs to step up his game. But as it stands right now, the Cardinals aren't disappointing me. I mean, it is what it is. We expected this from a rookie passer in his first season, the struggles, the issues. But he's played well. I called it at the beginning of the season that I believed that Kyler Murray was going to take the Rookie of the Year honors, and he's well on his way. He's definitely well on his way. So moving right along, next contest on our board for Week 2, San Francisco traveling to Cincinnati. When we saw this game on the spread and we started looking at the potential, Cincinnati opened or closed at minus 1.5 at home. So typically, teams who travel west to east don't fare very well. And even Vegas was trying to poach people to bet on the 49ers, and if you took that bet, you won big today. The 49ers trounced the Cincinnati Bengals 41-17. So, on last week's show, I did say that I believe the San Francisco 49ers were moving in a direction of improvement under Kyle Shanahan. We needed to see more of a comfortable pass game, run game, all-around game from the Niners. But this game kind of gave me that indication that things are starting to move in the correct direction. Jimmy Garoppolo was good. He was efficient. You can't hate on him. He fed his receivers. A lot of guys got in the mix today. But what was more impressive... The fact that Tevin Coleman found his way to injured reserve, or he's injured right now. He's going to be out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. The 49ers showed an extreme commitment to the run. Matt Breida, who everyone thought should have been the starting running back for this club, he had a day. He ate well. He went for 121 today. Raheem Mostart. I was contemplating on putting him in my fantasy lineup this week. I actually had him in and changed him out. Stupid. But I did it. Either way, Mostert had a game. He went for 83. And I believe he found the end zone. So, I mean, the Niners did well in the run game. They did well in the pass game. And they did extremely well on the defense. I mean... Even though Andy Dalton, he went again over 300 yards and he threw for two touchdowns. But, I mean, this 49ers defense played well. They played extremely well. The touchdown to John Ross late makes the score look better than what the game actually was. But the Bengals, they, they were at home. They, they didn't look like they could compete. Zach Taylor got flat out beat by Kyle Shanahan, another young offensive-minded genius. So now with this victory, the 49ers are 2-0, taking first place. 
and the Bengals dropped to 0-2. Joe Mixon was hobbling in this game. I didn't understand why the Bengals were forcing the issue. I mean, you knew your, your top player was hurt. Let him rest. I mean, okay, you wanted the victory. You didn't want to start 0-2, but this is where you set yourself up for disaster later on in the season. You needed to stick with Giovanni Bernard in relief and get your team a potential victory without hurting your star player for this rest of the season. Either way, I didn't like it. It didn't work out for any fantasy players, fantasy owners who had Joe Mixon, who basically laid an egg for you. And I mean, it, it shows. The commitment to the run wasn't there. The Bengals couldn't do anything positive. And the 49ers just gashed him. Rookie Debo Samuel, he had a day. Found the end zone. And needless to say, the 49ers are on the up in my mind. Let's move on. Let's get on to the next contest. The LA Chargers traveling to the Detroit Lions. So last week, if you tuned in, you heard my affinity for... Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson. Let me offer my apologies right now if you played either one of those men. I did, and I got burned. And it wasn't for not believing. I believe in these two guys in this offense. I just think that the Chargers had a specific game plan where they locked up the middle, they dared Matthew Stafford to throw deep, and they dared them to run the ball effectively. The run game wasn't spectacular today. They had moments. But again, Carrion Johnson doesn't even come close to 100 yards, doesn't find the end zone, or I'm sorry, he found the end zone in the pass game, but not in the run game. The day was saved when Kenny Galladay found the end zone from Matthew Stafford. While the Chargers were basically locking down this offense from doing anything productive, no other Lions receiver really was involved. Maybe we could say Marvin Jones. He had improvement from week one. But I think this was the problem. You needed to stick to the plan, how we saw it from week one. You needed to get your receivers involved in the middle, break up the middle, make them come up to the line, and then you beat them over the top. I mean, you used Jones, and I think that kind of opened up Galladay for that deep shot, which ended in a touchdown. But I think there was a, a misplan for this game for the Lions. I think they could have actually won this game a lot more convincingly than what they did. It was a close match. It was a tight match for basically the entire game. But kudos to the Lions' defense. Matt Patricia had this team well-prepared. And Phillip Rivers, he had difficulties. The run game wasn't there. Eckler was okay. Keenan Allen, again, he's the PPR 
point per reception freak. He's always going to get you in the 6 to 10. He was 8. 8 for 98 today. Rivers never found the end zone and threw the air. The Lions defense, folks, they are an underrated group. They are a quick attacking bunch. The D-line is very stout. This was a good game. I didn't hate it. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more offense, but I mean, again, we get these contests that are back and forth with defense all the time. It was okay. Detroit, though, the Detroit Lions impressed me today. They stay in above water. They're 1-0-1. It'll keep them in the mix, especially with how the other teams in their division are failing. Speaking of the other teams in their division, let's move on. One of the games of the morning-afternoon slate, depending on your time zone, the Minnesota Vikings take their talents to the Green Bay Packers. We had extremely high hopes for this game to be a shootout. I really don't know what is going on in Minnesota with their pass game. Odds opened up, minus two and a half favoring Green Bay. We took the Vikings only because it's not that we thought they would win. It was more about it being a close competitive match. So I could have easily had seen, based on my prediction, that this game could have been a one-point contest. The Packers jumped out of a cannon and lit up the scoreboard right away. I believe it was 14 nothing before you could even turn on the TV. And then it was 21 nothing. And this was becoming to look like a rout. Aaron Rodgers, people, he found his receivers. He wasn't putting up the big numbers, though. That was the interesting thing. But he was very aggressive. He was very efficient in that first half. And if they would have kept the pedal on the metal, this game could have been a blowout easily. Minnesota. I don't know what I can say about Kirk Cousins right now. My thought process from the beginning of the season was having a healthy Dalvin Cook in your backfield, taking the pressure off your quarterback, Kirk Cousins, setting up that play-action pass. I thought this was going to be magical. Kirk Cousins looks like he has lost five steps. He does not look efficient. He does not look confident. And he's even worse in the clutch department if you caught this contest. Five minutes left in the game, and Kirk Cousins is on first down, ready to score, take the lead, and he throws up a duck in the corner of the end zone into double coverage, and it gets picked off. You tell me how that should even happen on first down. This isn't fourth down. You had time. Throw the ball away. Play for the next down. Dalvin Cook, he is saving anything 
fantasy related on this Vikings offense right now. If you own Dalvin Cook, you're still smiling. Those smiles might go away later on as the season goes on because defenses will adjust because they're not afraid of the pass game. However, let me say this. Listen, as much as I'm bashing Kirk Cousins right now and his performances, that second half, whatever Coach Zimmer had done and said, his adjustments were brilliant. Green Bay struggled to muster anything as what they were doing in that first half. The defense started locking down the receivers, and they managed the game very well. Kirk Cousins did find Stephon Diggs deep, one ball, 49 yards, and a touchdown. It was a nice throw, but I'm I'm seeing how opposing defenses are starting to attack this Vikings offense. They're taking away Adam Thielen, which is the safety blanket for Cousins, and then they're double-covering Diggs. They're leaving that safety there. It's an interesting dynamic to how this is happening. But on the other end, the Green Bay Packers defense is for real. These guys were lights out in this contest. Even though they let up at the end, I think that had more to do with the offense not finding its way to positive productivity. But this, this Packers defense is for real. You give them more time to grow and gel, and if they can avoid any major injury, you could see easily a top 10 defense this year in, in fantasy football in the NFL. Easily. Minnesota, I am disappointed. I, I really thought you were going to be a better squad. Week one against Atlanta, I think, was just more of a game plan specific approach that turned out in your favor. You were able to take advantage of the opportunities. The run game was there, and you didn't ask Kirk Cousins to pass the ball. This one, Kirk Cousins had to pass the ball more, and it failed. There's a lot to be done and worked on with the Vikings, in my opinion. One contest that we were extremely intrigued upon was the Houston Texans going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Coming off that Monday night performance, that shootout against the New Orleans Saints, I was preaching the praise of Deshaun Watson and this offense. And to that point, I was also showing my disappointment, but still believing that the Jacksonville Jaguars defense was still elite. I think we got one and not the other from this match. The Jaguars looked good defensively. They looked like the team that we knew before when they were shutting out people, creating turnovers, and being that dominant force. Deshaun Watson really struggled today. This defense had every answer for everything that they wanted to do. He couldn't run the ball. He couldn't pass the ball. He was sacked four times. He was under pressure, 
under heat for majority of the game. It was a disappointment if you are a Houston Texan fan or own shares of any of the players. Carlos Hyde maybe was the only real winner today, but I mean, altogether for this offense, I can't really speak to the positives. I was extremely disappointed. And even when they got into the end zone based on that turnover late in the game, Houston I'm talking about, the defense still allowed them to come back. Frustration is the only thing I can say after watching that game because of how it all transpired. The Jaguars, on the other hand, I have to give them thumbs up. A-plus for effort. Jalen Ramsey was seen getting into it on the sideline with his head coach. Still no reports on what was said, but it's obvious frustration is boiling over in Jacksonville with Doug Marone, head coach. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Has he lost the locker room? It looked like his Jalen Ramsey's teammates were up in arms defending Jalen Ramsey for whatever coach said. This, this could get ugly before it gets any better, especially when you're losing. Winning cures all in a locker room. And right now the Jacksonville Jaguars are not winning. Their quarterback, Gardner Minshew. Did you see that last drive? If you saw this Minshew, mustache Minshew is what I'm calling him. If you saw what this guy did, he was taking off. He was throwing balls. He almost got this game into the win. Anyway, they scored. They got into the end zone. DJ Chark Jr. found his way in the end zone from Minshew. And they were in prime position to tie the game. It was 13-12 at that point. Coach Marone instantly decided that no, he will not go in overtime, but he's going to take the win on the road. So they went for two. Instead of throwing the ball, I wasn't overly critical of the choice to run the ball with Leonard Fournette. But the way that you got down into that area to make this game close, I would have thought you might have thrown the ball. But they chose to run with Fournette, and he got stopped short game over. 0-2. Jacksonville Jaguars with that defense. A lot of questions are going to be asked in Jacksonville. I'll tell you that. You're going to see Coach Marone's seat is getting warmer. He needs to start winning games or he's going to be out of there. So to one of the most talked about games going into Sunday, only because of who now graces the roster. The New England Patriots go to Miami to face the Dolphins. Antonio Brown was allowed to suit up for this contest as the league investigates his off-field issues. Many opinions were had to say how much usage would Antonio have in his first game. Reports had come out saying he needed more study time on the playbook. 
that he would be used sparingly. Then some came out and said that they were going to open up the gates and just, you know, feed him the ball. Antonio Brown looked good today for his first contest. When they say they wanted to feed him the ball, they surely did, especially early. And he looked good. I mean, timing was off from time to time. We saw Brady miss him a couple times. One in the end zone, it was too short. He missed him on the on the shoulder fade. But he looked good. I mean, for for what we were expecting, Antonio Brown now is a Patriot. They will iron this out. They will get on the same page together, and it's going to be systematic. They're going to make points. They're going to score touchdowns. He's going to make catches. Tom Brady again. This was interesting to me how the game started. So Vegas dropped this spread at minus 19 and a half. And people were saying, you know, no way Miami is going to cover 20 points. I knew they would. But they were they were scaring people at the beginning. Because I believe it was like 12, 12 nothing or 16 nothing at one point. And... I was saying, what is going on with these Patriots? They're not blowing out this team who can't defend anything. The offense didn't look great. And I think that also had to do with the fact that they were playing against a former Bill Belichick disciple. He knows the hands that are to be dealt. He knows what they like to do. And he countered them. The trade-off. The Miami or the New England Patriots defense. Is it possible to suggest that this could be the best all-around defense that Bill Belichick has had in New England? Am I wrong? I know it's week two. Let's not get overly excited. But when I look at what they're doing, this defense was a beast today. They took it to the Dolphins. With four interceptions, seven sacks, and two defensive scores. All while shutting them out. 43 to nothing. I don't know. This game wasn't won simply because of the offensive pedigree of Tom Brady and Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon and, and so on and so on. This defense has come to play week in, week out. And it's incredible. They are doing things that we haven't seen consistently from a, a New England Patriot defense in quite some time. No point to really discuss what the Dolphins are doing at this point, only because they're in tank mode. It's clear. It's obvious. They have no interest in winning. It's going to get worse before it gets better, all Miami Dolphin fans. Hang in there. It's coming. You're going to get the first overall pick. You'll change your hopes. But the Patriots, they do look good. They do look strong. Could they give them a run for their money for the Chiefs? With the Chiefs? Against the Chiefs? It's going to be interesting. I like it. Moving right along. The Buffalo Bills taking travel to New York again. This time to face off against the New York Giants. We had the Bills predicted to win this contest because, again, I, I'm just not a believer in anything the Giants have outside of 
Saquon Barkley and a few pieces on offense and defense. Eli Manning isn't able to carry this club anymore. He struggles, but I mean, you can't even fault him now for that because he doesn't again have wide receivers. This was the problem a season ago as well with the injuries. Saquon started the game very well. They fed Saquon. He found the end zone, got an early lead, and everyone started to believe that maybe the upset was in the cards. The Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. This is and this was the best game I think I've seen from Josh Allen in his young career all around. He had moments where he struggled, but his progression, his attitude was different in this one. He seemed composed. He seemed like he wasn't going to get rattled with any mistake that was happening in this contest. Again, Beasley, John Brown, big stat earners, and I think this is going to be the constant in this offense. Devin Singletary got in the rushing mix again, but he only saw the ball from the backfield six times. However, I think he did tweak his hamstring, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that injury report that I was reading. So that might be a huge problem moving forward because to me, Frank Gore is not your answer. He is there just to help. I mean, they, they loaded him today with carries. He had 19 carries today. But again, the average yards per carry were 3.6. So why are you feeding this man when your rookie is going for 9.5 per carry? Either way, I really liked what I saw from the Bills offense from Josh Allen and company. The defense. This defense is grossly underrated. Underrated. They are loaded on that back end with Tredavious White, Micah Hyde. It, it's unbelievable how good they can play together. That defensive line, even though they did give up over 100 yards to Saquon Barkley, most of that was on the very first drive. On that touchdown uh, run that he had on that drive, I believe he had over 50 yards. So for the rest of the game, the adjustment was to stack the box, make Eli beat you with his receivers. Didn't happen. Our start-sit column, we had suggested to bench Evan Ingram. And I mean, for most things that we can say true, I think we hit that on the head where he went for 6 for 48. He would have got you the PPR points, but he wasn't what people thought he was going to be. Anyway, Bills Mafia, you're 2-0 for the first time in many years. Keep smiling. Your good things are coming. Josh Allen is progressing. Things are going well. For all the big blue Giant fans, it's going to be another rough year, it looks like. You guys have a lot of growing pains coming your way. Hang in there. You're not alone. Moving right along, the Seattle Seahawks and the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
again, we find ourselves in a situation where a team coming from the West is traveling to the East. Never a positive thing. The spread did open up favoring the Steelers. I believe it was four and a half. We took the under. Is disappointed is too rough of a word to say about how Russell Wilson played in week one. We we didn't like it. It Like we said, he wasn't himself. But this week he improved. He looked a lot better. You know, he led this team. He wasn't going to give up. He avoided disaster, if you didn't see. He took a slide where he almost ripped his knee. Grace of God for Seattle fans, that didn't happen. But he played extremely well. They Seahawks got the run game going with three different people. I mean, Penny Carson and Wilson helped get that game going, the rush game going, so that Wilson could find his receivers through the air. Welcome to the NFL, DK Metcalf, finding the end zone for his first time. Nice throw, nice catch. Was good. I liked it a lot. I'm a big supporter of DK Metcalf. The Steelers. What can you say about these Steelers starting 0-2? When was the last time we said that the Steelers were 0-2? Big problems outside of how they performed early. Ben Roethlisberger injured. James Conner injured. This is massively concerning moving forward. Mason Rudolph came in relief. He didn't look bad. He was 12 for 19, had a couple touchdowns. I don't mind Mason Rudolph. When he was drafted by the Steelers, I was excited because I believe he is a prototypical type Ben Roethlisberger. Almost the same type of player. He came in, he found Vance McDonald twice in the end zone. The run game, Connor did find his way in the end zone before he exited, but What are you going to do now without Connor and Roethlisberger? So here's the other concern that I saw from this contest. Again, and it's only week two. I get it. Juju Smith-Schuster. The lack of big play opportunity and success. So I'm piggybacking my opinion from last week where we had said, We didn't necessarily want to take the chance on Juju just because of the hype that, you know, he was going to be the number one target for this offense. Now, if you're an owner of Juju Smith-Schuster, what do you do? If Ben misses a lot of time, they say it's an elbow. They're still uncertain on how long he's going to be out. James Conner's out, so your running game is now going to be Jalen Samuels and that rookie... Snell Jr. These guys can play ball, but it's going to be a vastly different offense than what we're used to seeing before. I had concerns, man, from day one about drafting Juju this year in this offense without proven supportive cast members. And now without your starting pivot, Mason Rudolph might have to be your guy. Not the worst thing in the world. But you got problems in Pittsburgh. Steel Town has got issues. They're going to need to fix a lot. 
On the other hand, the Seahawks did their job. They got the win. They got out of Pittsburgh, and they're 2-0. So things are looking good there. The Colts and the Titans. This contest was okay. I mean, I'm not going to dive in too much of this one. So I was, again, saying Jacoby Brissett isn't the type of player you want to build your team around. Again, he proved that correct. He was not bad, but he wasn't great. He was efficient. He didn't give the game away. He found the end zone three times through the air. One to T.Y., one to Ebron, one to Paris Campbell. The run game was basically shut down. Marlon Mack couldn't do anything, as we had suspected, because this Tennessee Titans defense is very strong. However, the couple things that I did see in this game that I did like, even though he only caught the ball once in the end zone, Paris Campbell, the rookie from Ohio State. Use this man more. He is going to be a extremely important weapon to help T.Y. Hilton open, get open, and to help Jacoby Brissett become more comfortable. As seen, when this run game stalled out, you needed something to happen to help this offense move forward. Again, he caught one ball. It was a great route. He burst through. Paris Campbell I'm talking about. He won't be a realization for fantasy football probably till midway point of the season, if maybe week six. But the Colts did show heart. They had the they were down. They were down going into the fourth. And they pulled it out. You can't be mad at him. Brissett played good enough to win. That was my argument that he wasn't good enough to let make you win ball games. But he did it today. I just don't think it's going to be a constant, but we'll see. The Titans again. See, this is what I was talking about with Marcus Mariota. He is, to me, an enigma beyond comprehension. I can't figure out this man's game. He was more efficient this week than he was last week, but there was no flashy plays. He was very vanilla, couldn't find his way down the field to his receivers. But again, I did like the fact that the Titans are sticking with the running game. Derrick Henry was again good, found his way into the end zone. But they could have controlled the clock a lot more if they had used the run game even more. But to that note, the Colts understood that that's what they wanted to do. They stacked the box, forced Mariota to throw. And he wasn't making those plays. Big win for the Colts. Big, big win. The Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. Dak Prescott now, I am a believer. He is putting on a show. This man has finally figured out how to play in this offense. The play calling is great. The run game is working. Elliott, again, over 100 yards. That's a normality now. But Prescott, he had almost 303 touchdowns again, only missing four passes. I got to get off the, the train of hate, and I got to start preaching Dak Prescott for future contests. We had him this week in our start sit. 
Hint, hint. Released on Saturdays. The Dallas Cowboys are for real. I mean, when we look at the Washington Redskins, and like we said last week, Case Keenum, he's going to keep you in the ball game, but, you know, what is he really as a quarterback in this league? We already know. He's he's average at best. He's going to do his job. He's not going to do anything spectacular, and then he's going to have his moments of crumble. The Dallas Cowboys, I don't know what they had done in the offseason with his play calling, but the roster is built for success. The defense can shut them down at the point when they have the lead, and the offense is good enough at this point that they can get you that lead. Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten. That is your team. The biggest surprise was Devin Smith getting in the offense deep. Dak found him a few times, found him for an end zone toss. So, I mean, those are the types of things that you're going to get with an offense that's this loaded. You're going to throw in another player who doesn't have a lot of tape with the offense. Smith is one of them. And they gashed you. They burned you and they got the win. Case Keenum did have this game coming back to a point where you thought that they, they might pull out more and they could make a comeback. But alas, you know, you got to have a full team, a full around team, and Washington just isn't there yet. Their defense, again, like you know, we support it. They are good. But they need time, and they'll grow, and they'll get better. But the Dallas Cowboys now at 2-0, and looking strong. I think at this point, if you want to predict who's going to win this division, you can easily say from week two, okay, I get it, that they could be the division winner. They look extremely good, extremely talented, can't hate on them whatsoever. Going ahead now, let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Oakland Raiders. I surely thought that this contest was going to be more of a blowout than a shootout. The Oakland Raiders came out of the gates, stunned everyone, scoring a touchdown, getting up early 10-0 in the first quarter. Twitter was lighting on fire, believing the upset was in the making. Andy Reid came out in that second quarter and wasn't having any part of this. He made adjustments that were perfect. If not, they were perfect. I can't say anything else. Kansas City put up 28 points unanswered in that second quarter. Chiefs record... For both points, touchdown passes, because Mahomes had all four of them. This offense just lit them up in that second quarter. Demarcus Robinson, the replacement for, I don't want to say Tyreek Hill, but he was the game plan after they adjusted from the first quarter. Sammy Watkins was having more coverage. McCole Hardman, the rookie, wasn't necessarily trusted yet. 
Someone that has been on the offense is Demarcus Robinson. And did he have a day? He had a Sammy Watkins type of day today. Six catches, 172, and two touchdowns. Of course, you have Travis Kelsey getting into the mix. He had a big day. McCole Hardman had a day. Four for 61 and a touchdown. I'll call that a day for any rookie getting his first shot. Patrick Mahomes. Nearly 450 yards and four touchdowns. This Chiefs offense, man, you know what? I still can find negatives in this contest only because they can't get that running game going. I preached LaShawn McCoy last week believing that he was going to be the lead dog, being productive, He led the team in carries with 11 today. Couldn't do much with it. Just over 20 yards. It was disappointing for me because I did put so much praise behind him. But hey, injury note, Damian Williams hurt his knee. Apparently, LaShawn McCoy also hurt his ankle. Unknown of what's going to happen with them two uh, for the week uh, upcoming. But we'll see. Keep your eyes on that one. Moving right along, once again, let's go to a defensive showdown between the Bears and the Broncos. Interesting contest. Field goals dominated most of it until we got into the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Mitchell Trubisky, people, I am falling off of his bandwagon. He is not playing well, he's struggling. They can't find the receivers, and the run game suffers for it. Yes, granted, this Broncos defense is stronger than most. But hey, at least the positive is that David Montgomery did find the end zone. He was used in the run game far more, as we had recommended last week. He must have listened to the show. I think he did. The Denver Broncos, on the other hand, they tried. Joe Flacco, he was flat again until the fourth quarter and again they picked it up so it's almost like you know they're trying to find themselves in the first three quarters and then they figure something out and again what do they figure out they figure out that Emmanuel Sanders is the biggest playmaker on this offense you can't stop this man even against a defense like the Chicago Bears you have to feed him the ball you have to give it to him Sanders went 11 for 98, one touchdown, two-point conversion. How can you hate on the man? He ate well today. He licked the plate clean. It was a good day. Unfortunately for the Broncos. So if you didn't catch this game, what had transpired was that Denver had taken that lead, went for two, and were up 14 to 13 with virtually no time on the clock. So say what you want to say about Mitchell Trubisky and him not being able to show offensive production consistently. He found his way, and I'm going to almost say, if I see this a few more times, the clutch in this man will be verified by us, by me. He found his way to get in a field goal range. And Panero nailed it. A 53-yard field goal in Denver 
the mile-high air so you knew it would have enough leg. He sent all the fans home in sadness, in tears, and disgusted. The Broncos. Boy, oh boy. 0-2. 0-2 under the new regime. Not looking good. The Saints and the LA Rams from Los Angeles. Game of the week. Supposed to be. Didn't happen. Why? Drew Brees left the game in the first quarter and did not return. This one hurt my fantasy team like it did many others. I would have had a good opportunity to gain at least, what, 22 to 30 points from Drew. I ended up getting a minus. This changed the entire fabric of this game. The Rams didn't have to be as explosive as they normally would have to be. But they realized Teddy Bridgewater in the contest. It was a no-brainer. Shut down the run. Alvin Kamara was shut down today. Michael Thomas was the only one that ate in receptions. He had 10. But I mean the Rams. So when you look at the Rams pass game too, I mean this thing... Is, is confusing me because they do not look near as explosive as they did a year ago. And I mean, this game when Drew Brees went out, you would have wanted to show what you could do offensively with that power once again. It didn't happen. I don't know. I want to see a lot more from the Rams. That defense, though, Aaron Donald was a machine. He was a beast today. Just flying through that uh, offensive line. Aaron Donald is the one that hurt Drew Brees' hand as well. Drew Brees is going to see a specialist while he's in California at his hand to see what's the diagnosis. So stay tuned. It doesn't look good. Hopefully it's just a mild thumb sprain so he can get back in the field. But doesn't look good for the Saints. Without Drew Brees, every single player on that team takes a down hit. But the L.A. Rams, I mean, when you talk about Todd Gurley again, we talked about this last week. We, we said that they're scaling Todd Gurley back, and again, look, Todd Gurley only had 16 carries. They are preserving him for the playoffs. This is clear to me now. But at the same token, I believe that this could be affecting the pass game. We'll see. My opinion right now, but we'll see. I'm curious to see how it transpires. Anyway, moving to the next contest, Sunday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles at the Atlanta Falcons to close off Sunday's contest. What happened with this Eagles team today? If you caught this game, someone must have put a spell on this roster as they were dropping like flies. All to the medical room. Alshon Jeffrey out with a calf. Deshaun Jackson, groin. Carson Wentz was just beat up. Ribs, ankle, whatever he had in that half of the halfway through the second quarter. This was a disaster. Goddard, he went down, didn't come back. Disaster for the Eagles. 
The Atlanta Falcons did take advantage of this. They took the lead into the half. It was 10 to 6. But again, see, this was my concern when speaking of the Falcons a week ago in this dirt cutter offense. Matt Ryan has no control of where he's throwing the ball because this offense is about scoring points, is about going deep and making the big plays. Matt Ryan threw three interceptions today in the win. You will see a career high when all is said and done, four interceptions for Matt Ryan this season. Not because he's bad, it's how this offense is being built, how the game plans and the plays are being pushed. You want to air this ball out without concern of double team, and you're hoping your receivers are going to make the plays. Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. These men put on a show. Julio Jones. Last drive to score that they scored on was a great play call by Dirk Cutter. Called the screen. They were down. The Eagles were up. Called the screen, and Julio got a fantastic block and just took it to the house. No one is going to catch him. It's Julio. He still has those 4.4 wheels. Calvin Ridley, though, the perfect complement for Julio Jones. You got to feel bad for Mohamed Sanu because I think he still has ability. He's a good player. But, I mean, the, the team together with, with Calvin and Julio, I think, is, is, is beautiful. It's glorious. Anyway, the Eagles, as batted and beaten up as they were, they still made attempts to come back, and they almost did. Kudos to Carson Wentz getting Nelson Aguilar into the game, being the number one target. They almost did it. They almost pulled it out. Just didn't have enough at the end. You felt for them. It was close. But the Eagles, they have a lot of problems. They can't run the ball. It's concerning now. The offensive line had probably their worst game I've ever seen in the last few years. And that offensive line is deep. Lots of problems in, in Philadelphia. They'll figure it out. Coach Pedersen is a, is a smart man. But the, the Falcons win by the skin of their teeth. They get one on Sunday Night Football. wasn't the greatest showing, I think. Week 2 was interesting. Week 2 wasn't the best. But to finish it off, when it comes to Week 2, we got the Cleveland Browns traveling to the New York Jets. So let's preview this matchup. I mean, Sam Darnold won't be there due to his mono. He licking a door or something. C.J. Mosley will not play either. Neither is Quentin Williams. How can you not favor the Browns and believe that they are going to explode in this contest? They need to show it. Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry. Keep naming them. They should feast on this Jets team. Le'Veon Bell is basically by himself. You feel bad. Him and Crowder are going to have to try something with Simeon. We are taking, I will easily take the Cleveland Browns double-digit victory. 
I want to see it. I want to see improvement like everyone else does. I want to see Baker be on point. I want to see Baker have a massive game. But, yeah, I think the Cleveland Browns will come out on top. The New York Jets, unfortunately, are going to fall into the tank hole of a toilet because of what's happened with injuries and with Sam Darnold's medical issue. So shouldn't be too overly exciting for Monday Night Football, but we should actually be entertained with what the Cleveland Browns should be able to do. If the Browns cannot dominate this contest, I will be back next week to discuss my displeasure on this team. (laughs) So on that note, thanks for tuning in to the ADF Underground Week 2 Recap Show. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Always hit that subscribe button. We are on iTunes and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. And we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Take care of each other. Stay humble. Stay peaceful. I'm out.